Hey, we're doing that cold open thing again. It's just so to remind cold. you. Sorry, we're doing the cold open, but we need to remind everybody about the Patreon that we have and the Instagram. And we might get out of Twitter jail, even though we've never been on Twitter. But we got we were born in Twitter jail. Yeah. So I'm going to see if we can get out of that. And then uh, right back folks, into it. No, I oh, just. Okay. It's not fun. It's it's like, I've been to jail. You've been. It's, it sucks. It works. <laughs> you go to jail immediately. You're like, okay, I get it. I won't do that again. Let me out. And they're like, no, right now. Like, Son of a bitch. Uh, anyway, Patreon. Grown, grown, grown local. Grown or local. grown local pod uh, on Instagram or on Patreon. Light it up. Relax. Those beats mean you're now listening to the very real people in places that supply your high. This is Grown Local with Billy Wayne Davis and Mike McGowan. <laughs> yeah, buddy. How's it going? Good. Good. I mean, good for what? You know how the world is. Good for 2020. You know, I mean, we're on the West Coast, both of us, so we can't. I can't go outside, <laughs> and you can't go inside out. Go stay in your your house. Well, I I literally spend the first hour of my morning at work just hosing ash away from my building, so that was fun. That is fun. It is. That's like a that's like farm work where you're like, what's What's, what's Mother Nature got in store for me today? What are you raining down? But then also, too, because of horticulture, I have fun words to use. Like, oh, man, this ash is so hydrophobic. Does that mean? It doesn't like does that water. Mean it, it it's scared like, of water? Yeah. It, it, it wants to punch water because it brings up feelings within itself that it's not comfortable with. Why am I so attracted to water? <laughs> I hate water now. Being water is wrong. I hate myself. I yep. Yep. I know some hydro I know some hydrophobes. Yeah. They're fun. What else you, I mean, is the sky that color still? Well, so we had some sun that was actually poking through, but then right at the end. It went back to just an orange dot, which is trippy as fuck and so cool. Like, it makes me feel like I'm in Star Wars or some type of sci-fi movie. No, it poked through. It started poking through down here yesterday, and it felt warm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. when it got through, you like you could feel the warmth from the sun, and that was weird. You're like, hey, that thing's hot. And you're like, oh, <laughs> We've been living in this is bad. This is, this not is real good. bad. <laughs> but yeah, shout out to all the homies we've had. I've had several friends who have lost their farms so far this year, and um, I know that that's the thing down in California too. So I mean, if you guys love cannabis, you know, please feel free to go out onto Instagram and other areas and find these farmers. They're doing a lot of uh, raising money for these people who literally have just lost everything. Um, so if you love weed, I'm sure some of their weed has found their way to you no matter where you live at. So if you want to yeah. go and donate and just be like, hey, 
hook the homies up. Farming's a motherfucker. Yeah, and let's just get them on a selfish tip. If you like getting affordable weed wherever you're at, you should take care of these growers because the quicker they're up and running again, the better the prices get. Wow. Because they're... Overall, Michael, that is true. That's a <laughs> supply and demand. I'm not talking quality. I'm talking quantity. I know. I'm We're just trying quality. to make sure that I don't price gouge anybody during the fire season. <laughs> I'm just letting people... We're not going to do that on the West Coast because we understand. No. I'm talking to everybody east of that Mississippi where they're going to price gouge yeah, because it's because it's not going to be as available as it is here. Because we get first dibs, and Tri- then they send it. Trickle down the economics. You guys get the B-nugs, so. Yeah, and that is not a good... I mean, I'm, I'm going to... I'm not an economist, but it is not a good system. <laughs> that trickle down. It's not good at all. No, it's good for like six people. Everybody else, not a good system. <laughs> But yeah, Holy I do. Shit. I got the generator coming in this week too, so we're going to get everything as backup. Just dropped a large amount of money on a wonderful generator that is getting delivered. And then it's always cool when you get a new toy and you're like, oh, the only way that you can play with it is we have to get an industrial sized crane to move it from the trailer to where you actually want it to go. Well, that's that'll be quiet. It's like a quiet. Just being undescript. Just chill. All chill. Just chill. But that is cool. You're going to get a generator big enough that you have to have a crane just in case. This is, you didn't need it, but you might need it is the thing. I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it type of thing. Oh, I understand that completely. Yes. I got to keep all the strains going. All these wonderful strains we have and we're giving out to the peoples. You know, got to have your backup plan as a farmer. No, I, it's fascinating and I completely understand. (laughs) You get to, okay, this, let's get to this episode. Yeah, and shout out to all the Northern California. There's just, I'm worried about everybody up there. I think it's, it's, a lot of it's getting contained, but like you said, Get on Instagram. We'll try to retweet some stuff on our Instagram at Grown Local Pod and our personal sites too about ways you can help all these these growers. It's their livelihood. Most of these people aren't rich. It's literally where we're sitting at right now about nine months of work that all just went up in flames. Oh. Like, I, I just. That's the that's the case when you work for yourself and when you're a farmer, you put everything into it, and it's nine months of your year completely gone within a less than a week. Ugh. I just got like just hollow on the end, just like Gah. yeah. So so this is a fun episode just to start out on. Um, but do do please please donate though and try to help. We'll retweet some stuff like we said, uh, and then give you all that information. You guys, this this week, such a we- Okay, how do we even <laughs> start? First of all, I, I think the best way to just... 
This is a, a friend of ours. Uh, actually, we just he was on the first episode. Durant set this interview up. Uh, he was like, hey, I know this cool woman. She grows, and she's also a hot yoga teacher and a, and a grower. And we we're like, fucking, let's, hell yeah, let's talk yeah, to her. Absolutely. And then she showed up uh, with this dude, um, which was cool, but we didn't know who he was at all. Like, we were already set up, and then he just, like, sat down and started talking. And she was like, hey, you should talk to him. Yeah, and we were like, okay. So that's right. how this this if if like the first five or ten minutes of this interview, me and Mike seem confused. It's because we're definitely <laughs> confused. Just imagine a hot yoga teacher shows up, and you're like, okay, cool. And then a dude with a belt buckle, cool hair. Yeah, he was like more hipster. Very aloof. hipster belt buckle, not humble. No country belt buckle. Yeah, just like definitely like this is this is for looks, but it's super aloof, kind of cool dude. And then cool dude. yeah, literally find out that he runs a nutrient company whose nutrients I've carried at the grow shop when I managed it for six years. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? That's your company. Yeah. And then. I, you just you can hear Mike getting more and more attracted to him as the interview goes <laughs> on. Uh, it was visibly just like there's a lot. It was like you guys need to cool it in the room. <laughs> well, if you like start- you'll hear it too. They start nerding out in this way that I couldn't stop them, and it was kind of beautiful. But it was also like none of this interview went. In any direction that we <laughs> planned it or saw it going. Not even close. Nor could we steer it in any direction we wanted to. We were mostly was, just along for the ride for a lot of it. It, I would, I, I, it was very much, yes, like we were on a like a, some, some low-class rapids. We were like, we're... I don't think we're going to get to that side of the bank or that side. We're just going to ride this out till it's over. Well, and honestly, mm. this is a little bit of the magic of Humboldt. This is No, it was that's why we left it because it was just <laughs> it was like, well, this is the most this is very Humboldt too. We we're just like, what happened? And you're like, this. And we went with it. It was cool, but it just very yeah. It so reminds humble. me of like when I first moved to the West Coast, you know, these people are not dissimilar from a lot of the people I met when I first moved to Eugene and like being a young 20 year old dude, I was like, they're so passionate and they're going to talk nonstop about everything and they have tons of stuff to say. I don't know if I can follow along completely in the conversation, but I'm just going to sit here with eyes wide and pay attention. Yeah, and you audiophiles out there, uh, the dude, I don't think he talks on microphone professionally, so (laughs) you're going to hear a lot of his water bottle, and then he hits the table a couple times for no goddamn reason. Uh, I mean, passion is a reason, Uh, (laughs) but there's really no reason to do it. But, I mean, just such a great Humboldt example, you're right, of like, of you get in this, you get in what you think the Humboldt 
uh, pace is. And then you realize, like, oh, there's a bunch of different paces here. There's, like, everyone's doing, like, a different walk. So you can't be like, oh, I've got this place figured out. You're like, (laughs) you don't. You don't even have this room figured out right now. No, there's a lot of pockets that you stumble into, and you're like, wait, what just happened? And uh, I'm just going to call him out because I don't know if you – I can't remember if you can hear this in the interview (laughs) or if Slee edited it out. But Durant, at one point, is – we're in his comedy club, Savage Henry, where we're doing the interview. And at one point, there's a dog barking outside, which happens. That's just a very normal thing. And then his way of handling it is he comes out and he goes, Hey, sorry about that dog, guys. Sorry it's so loud. And we were like, well, that's that's You are now opposite. a second dog in this audio file. Yeah, that's like, why would you think? Telling, like, interrupting the thing to be like, hey, a dog, right? It's really getting in the way. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Um, so, yeah. So, we're, uh, they're not warnings. It's just, it was just such a humble interview. Eureka. I think we should say that we were in oh, Eureka. Yeah. We don't want to step on any toes. This is a Eureka. I mean, she even owns a yoga shop. Right in the middle of downtown Eureka, which yes. it's amazing to me that, you know, places I like- was bummed it was COVID and we couldn't go. Right. Yeah, I was going to go. I like hot yoga. So I was like, oh, this this would be fun to do. Every but yoga I do is hot yoga just because I sweat a lot. It's, it's not how that works. It's uh-huh. the room temperature, man. Oh, oh um, okay. Yeah. It's a room temperature and it's a sex cult, man. You gotta watch more documentary. <laughs> um, yeah, but it is a great interview. It's just you may have to stop and rewind certain parts because homie talks very fast and Mike lets him because they're falling in love for a good fifteen minutes. I mean, uh, yeah, but it's great. Mike, uh, introduce him. Do the thing. <laughs> Guys, give it up for Navina Bird and Joseph Johnson. My idea was like, I'm going to do as little as possible and see what I can do with it. what we, happens. We generally put it with tomatoes so Camp couldn't see it. You know, it was a camouflage. <laughs> see, I... Yeah. And what I got out of it was like an ounce. Because I did as little... I just watered it. Like, just... And when I, you know, harvested it, and I was just looking at I had that same confused feeling again where I was like, it's so fucked that that's illegal a lot of, in a lot of the United States. I was like, I don't think people understand. And then I met Mike, and I started meeting more growers and more people inside the industry. And I was like, this is community. And I think if we can get that across 
to people that don't understand cannabis, it'll make it move so much faster mm -hmm. in the right direction. Right. Well, I think there is a real learning curve, I think, for, for society when it comes to cannabis, because they think of it as a drug, but it's not a drug. Yeah. It's a hundred different drugs, depending on how you grow it. It's kind of like the THC, which is one of the things I, I drives me nuts. People are like, THC, THC content, blah, blah, blah. But the THC, literally, when they've made chemical synthesis of it in a lab, and they give it to people, it doesn't get you high. It's actually the terpene that's kind of like the key to the car. The THC is more like the gas, mm -hmm. but the terpene profile effectively determines whether you get a Maserati or a Toyota. And so it depends on what you're plugging into, and that's why it can have so many different effects. Uh, the terpene balances literally determine how it functions as a medicine, which is why it's so important. I think there needs to be a lot of research into that because there's so much we can get out of that plant. It's not one medicine, it's nope. a thousand medicines. Yep. <laughs> and for people to understand that and have a true grasp on what it is and what the potential of it is, and the limitation, the one thing that I love the most about cannabis is that I don't really think we're gonna be able to make it a mass commercialized thing. And the reason why has to do with the amount of expertise it takes. You know, you can't just get a bunch of people and pay a minimum wage and end up with anything that anyone wants to smoke. And it's moody. It can only really be done, <laughs> it can only be done by people that are specialists at not even cultivating marijuana, but cultivating the strains that they know in the environment they know, in the method that they know, because you change anything and you're gonna change the terpene profile and effectively the keys to what car you got. Yep. And that's what I love about it. It's like, and I've seen so many companies come into this industry. And when first people first started coming in, I'm like, you guys want to lose a lot of money? People are asking me, like, you know about this, right? You've been involved in cannabis. You have a <laughs> felony. That's why I say, be like, where'd you get your degree? I got, I got my, uh, I got my, what? I got my uh, uh, felony from my, I got my degree in, in cannabis cultivation from the Department of Corrections in Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> what did you, did you, was it state? I got, yeah, I got caught, caught with, so the whole thing was I was going between the United States or from California over to the East Coast. Yeah. I was transporting to a cannabis club where they had compassionate use, but I just got caught in Nebraska in yeah. a trap where they pulled me over for, for like literally a police officer committed five felonies in the process of arresting me for one. He just saw a long dude with hair, well, a dude with long hair from California plates in uh -huh. a truck with a back and he just forced me off the road with aggressive driving and then grabbed the keys out of my hand when I got out of my car and searched my car illegally. Wow. And <laughs> so I got six months in a co-ed work release facility and they put me on the phone. I got a job telemarketing and literally I shouldn't have gone to jail for growing cannabis, but as far as working for that telemarketing company, I was ripping people off all yeah, day. I belonged were. to be in jail for that shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and yeah, they were so. ripping you off because you weren't yeah. getting, you were getting paid. Right. Technically. Right. And, and so, well, it's, it's a stinks state sanctioned crime is effectively what it is. You know, the telemarketing company was where all the people in the jails worked and Every one of the programs they had telemarketing, they should have shut down because the only people that bought those things were people that didn't know what they were signing on for. Every single program we were selling was a total ripoff. Ugh. Total ripoff. But it's either you go to sit in jail or you go and do telemarketing and make money. And, you know, I still feel a little guilty for that. <laughs> but. You <laughs> not for growing cannabis. No, I but understand. No, no, no. We, yeah. I heard what you said. Was I felt guilty about what I had to do in prison. Yeah. What they made me do in prison made me feel guilty. More. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. What, what was allowed to was considered to be okay. I mean, for me, I got into cannabis because 
I mean, I didn't smoke weed in high school. It wasn't until I got a job and I was exposed to a bunch of chemicals. And, and my friend Bob, he was like, man, Joe, you're being an asshole. He's like, you need to smoke a joint. And it's like literally the chemicals I was exposed to made it to where I didn't have any desire to eat. I didn't have any desire to, uh, I couldn't sleep well. I had really, it was like, I was like angry and aggressive all the time. And I smoked a little weed and I finally got an appetite, went down to the corner store, bought a burger and ate it. And I went to sleep and I felt good. Yeah. And it's like, I mm -hmm. literally feel like cannabis saved my life. And that's why I wanted to be involved with it was because I'm like, if it wasn't for somebody breaking the law and risking their own personal freedom, I might've died or gone off the deep end when I was like 18 years old, I wouldn't have even had a life. Yeah. And so I have a tremendous amount of respect for the plant for that. And so after I got, you know, busted, I mean, you talked about me making manufacturing fertilizer after I got busted and I couldn't sell weed anymore or be involved in that. I was like, Oh, you know what? I think the nutrient companies are screwed up. I'm, I'm going to try and figure out what's actually going on with them and make a better fertilizer program. So that's why I got involved in primordial solutions. So amazing. <laughs> I mean, so just the way that I cultivate cannabis is I do no-till style. So yeah. it's raised beds it's the same soil i'm focused on building ecosystems and only inputting like good things into yeah, my yeah. soil and i understand the direct correlation with that and bringing out the terpenes that naturally occur yeah. in the plant and all of that sort of what <laughs> you were talking about so it's cool that even on the quote unquote outside you're able to help the industry and make sure that the medicine is being grown correctly right well as, mu as much as i can there's just so much disinformation when it comes to the fertilizer industry and i can tell you it's like i i first actually got introduced to no-till like years before it was involved uh, popular in the cannabis company yeah. or culture believe it or not from hutterites which are they're kind of like amish people that oh, use technology yeah, and they have like these huge 10 10,000 acre farms mm -hmm. and bigger in uh out in the midwest so I, I originally ran into the hutterites and i was uh they started using my product because the ground was so hard they could not actually the hydro seeder that would inject the seed they couldn't get into the ground because the ground was Whoa. like literally like concrete and that has the, that's the side effect of the overuse of nitrogen mm -hmm. and uh so when I started going out there and we use, gave them sea green to use, it was like the next year after they first used it, they could finally till into the soil. And it was interesting. There was like a process, but over the process, because they were growing GMO wheat, yep. corn, and soybean. And um, it was funny because they went from having like a 62% germination rate in their, their seed up to a 99%. This is verified by the, the state of uh, Iowa. The University of Iowa was doing the testing. And it's funny because then Monsanto came to them and said, you got a 99% germination rate? They're like, will you grow some seed wheat for us? So, this, so they're like, yeah, sure, we'll do that. Because the difference is like they get paid, you know, 20,000 an acre for, for, for seed wheat. And, you know, you make maybe make 600 bush, bucks an, an, an acre when you're growing rather, you know, you're growing uh, winter wheat. So they're like, yeah, we'll do that. So they plant, go and plant like 2,500 acres of Monsanto GMO, like Roundup Ready wheat. And, and they spray it with my stuff, right? And it comes back that the, the seed ended up not being genetically modified. Monsanto's like, this isn't Gia, this isn't our seed. <laughs> and I was like, what? And it was funny because then we started doing, I just started doing testing and every single plant that we'd spray the biology on, it would re remove the genetic alteration, which is an alteration that's done by in, in, intentionally inducing, uh, it's put in through a virus, yeah. right? So they alter the, it's a virus that edits effectively the genome. It's, it's, it's considered to be genetic damage and that's how it was done. And it's 
funny because I, that's when I had the realization the biology and the earth is actually what genetically engineers and it, it can shift the genetic expression of the plant and correct genetic damage. And I was like, wow. <laughs> it's like, this is, and so when you get into what really is going on in the soil with biological growing, it's like we're dealing with organisms that genetically engineered all life on earth, you know, and we're trying to do something better than that. And I've realized that the more <laughs> that we can get out of the way, literally that's, we do better that way. Yeah. So, I mean, we've already seen that just the, even the human mm -hmm. DNA, the environment will change it and affect it and recode it sometimes. So definitely just being in the soil, which to me is one of the largest organisms in the world is soil, mm -hmm. just the way that it works together. You know, there's no difference between that and our stomach, especially with how mycorrhizal works and different types of fungi. It makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, the earth knows how to do the coding for it and knows how to do yeah, it. So. Absolutely. Yeah, and it, that's why we actually have trouble with, with pesticides, especially mm -hmm. in commercial agriculture, because it's like, it takes us seven years to get approval to, to spray, <laughs> you know, poison on the earth. You know, but we have to go through the process of bribing the right people and getting enough people to look the wrong way and screw with our testing, whatever. But it's like the, some of the tests that I was running, we'd start spraying, like so we start spraying one side of the field, right? And it'd be killing off the fungus on that side of the field, but we, when we start testing the other side of the field, they'd be putting stuff under the microscope. And those organisms that we're trying to kill were elite immediately. As, we, as soon as we start spraying the opposite <laughs> side of the field, they'd start insisting. They'd, go into, they'd start going into dormancy or sporifying, and it's like they would go dormant. And after three years, you could no longer, those pesticides won't work. So it takes us seven years to produce a, a fungicide or a pesticide to kill something in the ground or kill something in the environment. And by the time three years is up, that doesn't work anymore on that yeah. ground. It literally takes as long, and so the only way that's possible is if there's organisms in the ground genetically engineering the whole of the microbial ecosystem to be resistant, and thank God that's the case, because if it didn't work that way, we would have already destroyed, destroyed all of our farmland. Yeah. It's amazing. God, literally. <laughs> thank <laughs> God is. Yeah, God is. Well, yeah. I, yeah. I've always said God is a black woman. Right, right. So. <laughs> good, good answer. <laughs> um, wow, you guys nerded out pretty hard there. <laughs> but I couldn't stop you because I was like, I understood on some level exactly what you guys were talking about. And it's, it's actually blends into what we were just talking about, which is the community of the whole thing. And yeah. That's, yeah. It's this whole... The more we deny that we're all connected, the worse everything gets. Sure. Every time. And it just, it goes to like, and every time we get arrogant, we fuck <laughs> shit up too. We're like, hey, Earth, I know better than you. I know better than Earth. And Earth is like, Ugh. Yeah. So we're going to do 100 years of this shit? <laughs> <laughs> you know how old I am? That is nothing to I'm me. I'm going to prove it to you. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. I mean, I didn't even think of that part of it. I mean, the no-till stuff, like, I knew... Mike got my attention three or four years ago. I was going through Eugene, Oregon, telling jokes. And he's, he does jokes, too. And the next day, he gave me a bag of weed. I didn't smoke it at the time. I was on a hiatus. And I f smoked it later, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I called him, because I'm a connoisseur. And I was like, yo, what <laughs> have you done here? And then he explained the organic part, and then, like, how these... He's like, you know that harsh shit you feel on the back of your throat? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, 
you don't feel that with mine, do you? And I was like, I don't. It's great. <laughs> right. He's like, because I don't put poison in. He's like, that's mm-hmm. your body's going like that stuff's not good. And I was like, oh, and it ruined me. Right. Because in Southern California, everything has something. Well, that, that's a problem. Actually, the main problem that we have when it comes to weed is nitrogen residuals. So mm-hmm. when you have nitrogen residual in the weed that you're smoking, it literally acts as a free radical that scavenges oxygen from your brain. And it makes like, literally just sucks all the oxygen out of your eat. brain and it, make, gives you, it makes you dumb. It makes you dumb. It doesn't get you high. It, it F's you up. Yes. You know, you want to get high or you want to get F'd up. You know, weed's supposed to make you high, not F'd up. Yes. You know? I ain't trying to get stupid <laughs> on the regular. Yeah, if you, want to do, if you want to get stupid, go smoke some crack or something. Like <laughs> and that is the problem with large agriculture, too, is they are literally just pumping everything with nitrogen. And that's why fish and wildlife and game here is so hardcore about making sure that's not leaching in because you fuck up the entire ecosystem. The algae, you know, it, it just has humongous blooms. All we're, we're running off into the ocean. Right, right. See. That's that's actually my opinion. That's actually what causes climate change. Yeah, because I, I mean I've done There's the math. There's a lot of people it. that you know. If you look at would if, agree. Well, if you look at it mathematically, like okay, since the beginning of the pre-industrial revolution, we, we've gone up to 400 parts per million of, of CO2, right? Mm-hmm. And the only thing that they don't talk about is we actually lost 20,000 parts per million of oxygen. So we're up 400 ppm of CO2 minus 200 ppm of oxygen. Now we need oxygen to breathe and for all of our normal function. And since there's a one-to-one stoichiometric ratio, so if you're doing combustion and oxygen, you burn one molecule of O2, it produces one molecule of CO2. So we're missing 20,000 over here with only a 400 ppm to answer for it. So if combustion was truly the cause of this extra 400 parts per million of CO2, well, it's stoichiometrically off by a factor of 50. So the entire idea that combustion generated that 400 parts per million, it on a basic chemical level, chemistry level, it's not possible. It's off by a factor of 50. They you didn't... mean Al Gore might have been wrong? Well, I mean, he did create the internet. I'm not going to say <laughs> You explained that so well, and it was awesome too, because I and you explaining that there were parts where I was like, I guess I did pay attention in chemistry. But I do know what he's talking about on this elemental level. I right. That's well, it's only basic chemistry that you need to understand to see that the model's wrong. You know. That's yes. It's like math. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty right. Pretty most of the time. <laughs> so how did you guys get? Also, you said nothing. Oh, I'm just enjoying this conversation. <laughs> Plus, for all the listeners, I mean, that was a total turn on. Great job. I mean, it was a turn on for me yeah, too, and we just met, so <laughs> yeah, I was just impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't turned on. I'm sorry. It's, it's okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. Earth, of course. <laughs> yes. You know, it's a total turn on when you hear somebody actually speak in these terms and actually not be afraid to talk about what's really going on. Yeah, I agree. That's yeah. why we we so, have you guys. That's you. why we're doing what we're doing. And we appreciate it to the fullest. We met in um, our... Because my car broke down in Humboldt. His car broke down <laughs> Is that real? That's real. That's, like, that's, that's awesome. awesome. I would say 30% of the population Right, so we end up here. <laughs> it's, Those hills are a lot to get over. Well, right. yeah, I mean, people are carrying a lot more weight. I don't understand. Yeah, I, I run the hot yoga studio up the street 
for 19 years and he is a teacher as well and um, I'm a studio owner so he came to yeah she gave me a place to live ah. <laughs> my car broke down I was trying to get it fixed it like it was funny my buddy Jules who runs proper productions down the way or proper, proper wellness uh, proper wellness he does proper productions for shows and stuff but they, they just opened proper wellness down the street it's evolved into a wellness dispensary and so now the yoga studio has a neighbor across the way and it's one nice. of the best pairings for Humboldt County because yoga and yoga. cannabis go well. That sounds I, perfect. I practice kundalini yoga and I smoke a lot of cannabis. <laughs> they get mad at you for smoking cannabis and kundalini sometimes because they're like, hey, yes. you're already you doing it do naturally. Yes. Yeah, but I need a little help. So. Yes. And our tradition is actually part of our initiation. Yes. You know, they brought videos from our, our lineage um, over from India. And yeah, literally at their initiation, they're hitting a chill and doing smoking hash. And, the yes. Shivites. Yeah. Yes, yep. beautiful. Uh, yeah, and kundalini is just a trick to make yourself high. It's well, Indeed. originally it was a way to, uh, if it was Yogi Bhajan's tradition, it was it a way is. to cover up his, uh, his uh, smuggling, he was connected with the CIA as far as smuggling like cocaine into America. So, really? you know, he needed a way to, to cover up that, to, to embezzle and shift, shift the money. Yeah, actually, you can look into it. There's a yeah, lot of information into that. Recently. It's kind of My funny. My father-in-law was on the, uh, <laughs> it was, was on the uh, commune with him. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then one day they asked him to go get stuff. And they gave him money. And he'd been on there for like two or three years. And he got in the car. He hitchhiked and got in the car with a guy who had a Budweiser, who had Budweiser and cigarettes. And motherfucker never went back. <laughs> <laughs> he still practiced, but he was like, yeah. <laughs> right, he's like Budweiser, cigarettes, Kudalidia. Oh, uh, yeah. Full yeah, like, like, showers, forget that. Oh, you know? so funny. <laughs> Because he was like, I was sober for like two years. I was really high on that thing. And then this dude was drinking beer and smoking cigarettes. He was like, he looks so happy. I was like, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. He's a beautiful it is man. a good yeah. story. So what is it like uh, having a yoga studio in Humboldt? Like that has to be the most idyllic. You know. I love it. I was one of the best decisions I made going to teacher training and opening up and being a part of this community. And I've, I've taught a lot of people who have um, shared with me that they grew up in my studio and oh. I have also spent half my life there now. Yeah. Are you from here? No, I'm originally from Los Angeles, okay. but I moved from LA and lived on a, um, we call it country comfort, piece of land in Southern Oregon off the 199 Hidden Creek Road. And I was um, a child in the marijuana industry when it was completely illegal. Uh -huh. And um, my family, they would, you know, gorilla grow. So they would carry pot out into the hills in Southern Oregon and they would take it to their patch. Wow, that's awesome. So you knew all about it growing up. It was Absolutely. A, you knew not to talk about it, but it was like. I did not talk about it. Very open inside the family. Exactly. They never hid it from you at all no it's beautiful no. so you've never seen you understood that there's a stigma but you were never you grew up with it not being a thing yeah, she, she grew up knowing that black markets matter yes yeah for you to truly understand the economy and mm -hmm. they don't teach it no mm -hmm. best business education you can get on the podcast, we like to call it the people's market. I know? love it. Right? Because market. it is the people. The people mm -hmm. started it. They, they were did. the ones that put their life on the line well, for the it. Is, so. is, is it. And it really is a way for people that otherwise could not afford a decent quality of life. They couldn't feed their kids. They mm -hmm. couldn't have homes. I mean, these people aren't criminals. They are just normal people. 
that once the government decided to deregulate logging, let, let them cut down all of the trees and let the, the, the topsoil move into the rivers, plug mm -hmm. up the rivers, kill off the fish, and destroy all the other natural avenues of income. People had two choices. Either lose all your teeth and become a meth head in Blue Lake or grow pot and raise, live a normal life. Mm -hmm. And that's what they, that's, it seems to be a very clear what happened here. Yes. You know? Yes. I mean, you know, other people that we've talked about on this podcast have talked about how the economy, you know, in other areas just dr dried up here. And there was That's literally nothing else for people to do to, you know, survive and to live a good life. I mean, at least in Eugene, a lot of my friends were all single mothers with kids who got to stay at home, raise those <laughs> kids, got to mm -hmm. spend that energy, didn't need government assistance mm -hmm. or anything, and they're able to be productive in society and make mm -hmm. a way for themselves. Same here. I, um, for the compassionate, for 215, I would grow my indoor for Dennis Perone, who yeah. went for governor in San Francisco. So I have memories in my 20s being in San Francisco in the very first dispensary and coming out after dropping off legally at that time because there was 215, my two pounds that I had grown for him. And seeing the really man, yes the, that yes. first one, mm -hmm. wow! Yeah. I just went to a museum where they redid the whole thing. It was an amazing four-story, beautiful dispensary. <laughs> and I, I come out, and there's a man in a wheelchair rejoicing that he has his medicine. Yeah. And I'll yeah. never forget that moment in time. In my 20s, standing there, going, "Yes, this is the movement. This is what's happening." And then legalization hit. So we've come a long way, and it's a beautiful experience and a nice. Um, it's great to see the openness that's happened because there was the propaganda that was put out by our government let's just you know look at yeah. the movies mm -hmm. that were made and why william randolph hearst yes yeah, I think, <laughs> I think, honestly though to be fair reefer madness is one of the greatest comedies of i life. love reefer madness too i mean yeah. i do it's it's it, yeah it's one of my sister's boyfriends in college gave me that at christmas like and i opened it in front of my whole family and they're not cool with that <laughs> he's like right and then i was like dude just maybe in the car when we're smoking <laughs> weed give me this but <laughs> it's like mom's gonna oh yeah, asshole yeah. but then yeah we got stoned as hell that night and we're like this is the funniest shit i've ever seen mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then great. we were it's like great. it hit us too and i was like yeah but you know what it worked on some level, mm -hmm. which is even crazy. <laughs> well, that, you have to understand, back when it was made, people actually trusted the government. That's true. Yeah. That's the scariest thought out of all of it, yeah. I think. Well, the motherfucker didn't... If, if Hearst would have had hemp factories, mm -hmm. it never would have changed. No, but I went to paper. the hemp museum in Barcelona, and um, yeah, I mean, the cotton gin did us no favor. Nope. No. So fascinating, though. Mm -hmm. but, and if how do you make gin out of cotton? I know. <laughs> it takes forever. <laughs> really dries out your mouth, though. <laughs> so you, wow! So you just you were there since the start. Yes, I was definitely, and then I had a boyfriend who turned me on to indoor growing in 1997. And um, I never stopped, and I told everybody I knew about it, and I asked everybody to get involved, and my, my family did, and now they're all legal. And, you know, my mom decided not to do a legal farm. Uh, she 
would rather do um, her Airbnb. She put a lot of money into her property so she could have a place that she could retire and that she can relax and breathe and uh, enjoy life. And I think that this, um, for me, the plant is, is like the biggest blessing. And not just because it helped me inside, like um, medically, but on the external, of course, we benefited and we can have all the material wealth from that. But there's so much work that does come in and it's a lifestyle. So mm -hmm. for, for me, when the opportunity came that you could be a part of it, I, I wanted to go full bore ahead. However, the farm that I worked at didn't have the greatest quality. And the person that I was with got very influenced by more money and more greed. And that person became a different person. And because of that, I had to leave that farm that I worked on for many years. And I had to just trust that there'd be more farms to work at. And so now I freelance. And I go and help where the help, you know, because so many farms need just two or three days of work. And then you get to go home and I don't have to have all those stresses because it's very stressful. Yeah. And you get burnt out. And, mm -hmm. um, a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot. So I really feel for everybody. And just having yoga as the outlet to de-stress and get back to that happy place and be in the passion and the creative energy that's with growing the plant and then um, all of the products that are coming out with it, especially those edibles. Delicious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you had mentioned you talked your family into medical and legal? Absolutely. Or? We all how, became medical. How mm -hmm. did they react to that? Being like going gorilla style for so long and then you're like, hey, guys, we should go this way well, with it. Well, a lot of them really did want to, you know, yeah. because we did have connections with Dennis Perone. Um, we would use all of the shake and uh, make food and go down and sell it to dispensary. And it was it was really rewarding. He was an amazing man. Like, he's yeah. super missed. And I, I feel grateful to have that experience, especially with the women who were were my mentors in mm. cannabis. We're talking about Southern Humboldt, amazing women that have been there for a long time and families that are generational. And yes, there's this huge surge of everybody coming from every other state yeah. or country to yeah. grow in Humboldt <laughs> County because of the climate. But these, like um, Julie, my mom's friend from high school, her father was retired Navy. So he had bought four parcels of land on the Matole River for his daughters. And of course it was just retirement land. But me coming up from LA in Humboldt Hills, watching camp take all of the plants. I mean, as a youth, I'm sitting there watching the helicopters big nets taking everything, everything that you see on the Netflix documentary. Yeah. I was here during that time. Everybody witnessed that. So now we don't have to experience that to that level. Of mm -hmm. course, there are some helicopters still flying, but... We heard some today. Yeah, Did yeah. you? <laughs> we yeah. were out the in Black the bush. <laughs> the the Blackhawk is out right now, yeah. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So they have a Blackhawk? They have a Blackhawk, yeah. It's a cool huge that, misappropriation of resources. I was going <laughs> to say, that's a very expensive helicopter to fly around. <laughs> I mean, the, the only reason why you would want something like that is if you wanted to blow up the side of a mountain. Well, or you it does needed look like to they're going extract to. a fucking seal tank. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, under heavy fire. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I'm pretty sure it was a Blackhawk. And when I read it, they, they came in under the radar, you know, so. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that's... That's insane. It is insane. What was it... Because we've talked to... In Eugene, we talked to some women in the industry, and there's a lot of intimidation in the black market and things like that, and legalization has really helped women out. Like, Absolutely. What, what about in Humboldt? Has it... Has being a woman in... Well, I would say a lot of them absolutely did go the legal route. Because yeah. I know quite a few women farmers at this time. Uh, we've got Chanel from Humboldt Farms and uh, Sunshine. What was hers called? Sun Growing? Yeah. We'll yeah. talk to Chanel tomorrow. Yeah, the best weed yeah. in Humboldt. Excellent. Yeah. Nice. My opinion. They don't use any products. That's what I'm trying to convince people to do. Use as few <laughs> products as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my favorite type of weed. No offense. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, I know, the, it's the right way, dude. <laughs> yeah. it's like, I, I actually, my goal, my fertilizer company, is to try and get rid of all the fertilizer companies. I, yeah. and, and with the products that you have, you know, they're as close to the most important. You know, like, what the, pro, you know, the... Well, they're designed, my products are really, they're, they're, marketed as NPK nutrients. That's not what they're for. They're for terraforming ground. Exactly. They'll, yeah. Like paleo bloom. What is terraforming? Means changing the structure of the uh, parent material of the soil. So for instance, you take paleo bloom. I've done a bunch of tests on this where I'll put it on blow sand, right? And it will turn into black rich earth in three months if you grow hemp. It's so, like it will turn mm-hmm. that. It will it fixes so much CO2 from the atmosphere, it fixes more CO2 into the ground than you could ever afford to put in via compost. So the guy, idea is you set up these, mm-hmm. the biological processes that created life on earth in the ground and then it self-perpetuates as long as you don't do anything stupid, mm-hmm. which is what I have trouble with is convincing people not to <laughs> buy products that they don't need and destroy the ground with. I'm like, you don't need to do that. They're like, well, no, I'm gonna get better. No, you're not, no, mm-hmm. you're not. You're gonna get you're gonna get a fungal infection. <laughs> it's like <Cool. laughs> I just even try to tell people, you know, just do soil tests. Mm-hmm. Do soil tests of your ground and see how much money you're wasting and how much stuff like his product can actually unlock what's in the soil. Mm-hmm. I think people just like making stews. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you from? Mm. What planet? Cyrus B. Rand's belt. Yeah. No. It is, uh, that's it, what I thought when I was five. We were just reading about it before coming in. It's the very luckiest day of the year. Nice. Yes. I got my Leo fire going that's right, too, you so do. I'm you all do. about it. No, we're going to activate up, this. I grew up originally, it was important when you mean that my parents um, didn't really like me because they were super hardcore Christians, and they sent me to live with my grandma, who's like a very interesting woman. My grandparents were, my grandfather built like weapons of war that, like, one is World War Two. You know, he yeah. built like the SR seventy ones, P thirty eight bombers and stuff. He was so he worked for Lockheed. He worked for he worked at Skunk Works. Yes, so I know where that, basically, I know, so you I'm have all these companies that buy for hard as a rock right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're sure not. I love it. <laughs> yes. We like the knowledge. Yeah. You were like airplane. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you'd have all these companies that were proposed designs for airplanes and. So he would actually build the airplanes and test them. And then when they would go, go into production, the, the order would get approved, then it would go back or he'd help go and help whatever companies proposed the design build a facility. So he was a guy that made, you have a great idea. Okay, let's see if we can actually make it happen. So he would translate between dream and reality effectively on all these projects. The producer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He was an amazing engineer. Like one of my earliest members of, uh, memories of him was him building a uh, telescope believe it or not. So he'd like cast the glass, he would 
grind it and align it. And, you know, That's go, go look at Jupiter. Man, it's like, That's amazing. <laughs> I bet he didn't watch a lot of TV. <laughs> and then you're an engineer of soil now. Yeah, effectively, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I've made a lot of things. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, try, it takes a lot to keep me from getting bored. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I, I try and do things that are useful, that are going to be beneficial. You know, improve the quality of life. You know, don't wait, and while not wasting your time too. I think that's. I think you have that same kind of thing, Rick. If I'm going to do stuff, it's going to be productive and. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like the, as long as, it, and that's a weird thing. People think you can waste. People's goal a lot of times will try and chase money instead of the result. If you can actually develop something that's worth doing, money's a side effect of that. Yes. Yes. You know, people that's are like how, how we get rich. This. <laughs> yeah. You, you want to get rich? Find a way to benefit your fellow man, and they will give you money. Yes. <laughs> so yes. That's the way that works. And people like always after. I want. What, what can I get for me? If you can figure out a way to get everybody else something they need, you will never be out of work. You'll never be out of money. You'll never have any problems. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. I fully believe that. I mean, just even Real. working in an agricultural type of thing. You know, being able to actually produce something for humans has felt way more rewarding than any other job I've yeah, ever done. Yeah, for sure. You know, I've felt I've fallen in love with the magic of planting a seed in the ground, cultivating life and helping that along its way. And then it's like, here, I have things for you guys. I'm not tricking you out of money. Here's something that hopefully will make your day better. You know, like I don't eat organically all the time, um, but that's the only way that I'll grow. I even try and grow the most annoyingly hardcore organic way possible just because i think that makes a better product that will make people happier <laughs> yeah you want you want to hear something absolutely disgusting about the organic fertilizer industry <laughs> <laughs> i have so many issues I, with I, it i have a video online where i make or certifiably organic liquid <laughs> fish using battery acid and drano <laughs> yeah i mean if we really want to get into it i don't know how much you want to talk about it but organic certification of nutrients oh, how gosh. do you feel about mm -hmm. that well i think the entire side. organic standard the entire you got to understand something about the organic standard it it's was a, written by the chemical industries that have been selling us the same shit. they only wanted to do was try and find a way to actually charge people more for something that looked like or pretended to be organic yep. And that no, is. Oh, they wouldn't do that. No, okay, okay, I'm just, yeah, I'm just a conspiracy theorist, but yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> no way. They want to make more money for nothing. The f the funner part is one of the organic certification companies that everybody looks to. I won't say the three letters that they are. Barely actually checks any of the nutrient companies that they certify as organic. It's only about four percent of the organic companies that they represent. And they usually check the high nitrogen and uh, pesticides first, but it's only 4% a year that they're actually checking. Well, this is funny. I, I've been talking to a lot of people that seem to think OMRI is an organic certification agency, and it's not. Oh, fuck. Does anyone know that? It's not actually a government agency. It has no it's right like, to is offer. Is it like the Federal Reserve? Where it's no, just like yeah, kind of. Yeah, effectively. Yeah. It's a private organization that does a review. It's a review board. It reviews your processes or what you claim and then gives you a stamp that says you're armory reviewed. It's not a certification. It does not guarantee you're organic. It's saying, we reviewed this company and, you know, they're going to, they, they comply to the federal NOP standard. That's a national organic program is the NOP standard that was created by the federal government. Now, all armory is is a private company that 
reviews what you claim your processes are and says, well, yes, they match the federal standards, or no, they do not. So you can charge two extra dollars for everything you do. Now. Right, well, they've done such a great job marketing themselves, people think they're actually official, and they're not. And one of the board members of it actually owns a nutrient company, too, so he gets to look at all that's the... Not, look, look, that's I, not. if you're trying to suggest there might be some conflict of interest about that. <laughs> not when it comes to money. Like, listen, <laughs> listen, if I ran a nutrient company, I had access to the methods that everybody else used to product, produce their products. There's no way that would actually end up, you know, with me maybe uh, utilizing some of that for my own benefit. You know, <laughs> it is funny because even in the cannabis industry, I was approached by a company that does certification of cannabis. And they told me straight up, they're like, hey, we'd love to come out to your farm, check out your practices. You know, we'll get you certified and, you know. If you're using synthetic stuff, we can give you a couple years to phase that out. And it's like, how the fuck are you even, and you're charging how much? Like, it blew me the fuck away that that's being infiltrated into our industry. Well, you know right why, we know why organic food costs more, right? Why? It's, it just costs more to spray pesticides in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> I heard that joke from an organic farmer. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, I mean, even in the, even in the no-till game, you know, you quickly see that it's mainly micronutrients that you have to worry about. And every place that I've gone to is like, well, you know what? You could actually use these salts to take care of those micronutrients if you want, because even though it's salts and it's not organic whatsoever, these are approved for organic farming. And yeah, I was like, well, how is that possible? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, we could go down a huge rabbit hole and we go into, you know, the specifics of fertility, but I think the most important place to start with that whole question is how exactly if millions of years ago, plants grew five times as big as they do now and there were no fertilizer companies, how did that happen? <laughs> how did that happen? I would love to hear what you think. Um, it was a biological process, not a chemical process. And so that's all I've been trying to figure out, exactly how to set up the conditions that allow that to happen, allow for the full and maximum expression of the genetics of whatever plant it is. And it's amazing the kind of different expressions you can get by shifting the balances of amino acids and micronutrients mm -hmm. that you put in. And uh, really, there's... People try and say they're experts, but I personally don't think there is anybody that's really should even be considered themselves to be an expert in no. agriculture at all. Not even myself. I'm still trying to figure it out. It's like we're a doctor. We, we could say we're doctors because we're still practicing. You know, we, we, we have a general idea of what might be going on, but there's much more that we don't know than there is what, that we do. Yeah, that's the whole thing. I think it's a wonderful way to look at life in general, and that's that they talk about like any scientists worth a damn when you ask them why stuff does stuff even if they're so-called <laughs> experts they're like i don't really we don't really know <laughs> we so got any, an idea yeah, like any scientist worth a damn is always saying like well we we're still trying to figure that yeah. out mm -hmm. so i just think that's a wonderful way to look at life where it's like i mean it's also that way of i, I remember this guy spoke to us in whatever, you know, you just go things and sometimes people, stuff gets in your brain and sometimes yeah. it doesn't. But I remember this guy, when you're, especially when you're younger and you're going to school and they're like, 
motivating. Sometimes you're horny and you don't listen. Sometimes you're like, hey, that was good. <laughs> but I remember this guy talking about being like, he was like, I never want to be learning, which is, and that is a huge Learned. thing. Learning. Learned. 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 Which means I'm done. Right. And right. it's been a pet, I was just like, it, he articulated a thing, I, a pet peeve of mine I had already had and didn't, couldn't articulate. Do you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't describe. I was like, oh, that is what, that drives me nuts. Meeting people who are like, I already know everything I need to know. It's the way things is. And as you can tell, that's most of why I left the South. Right. It's because that is the way people, they're like, I'm done. That's the way you end up, that's, that's, that's sort of their train of thought is how you end up sleeping with your cousin. Exactly. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. That's exactly, I mean. You're not <laughs> exactly correct. There's more to it. There's more that. to it than that. But, but it yeah. does lead to that kind of accident. Uh, <laughs> it's not accepting certain biology. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a lot going on. Uh, you're repressing things you don't need to repress, and then they mm-hmm. you, you fuck your sister. Uh, <laughs> well, that's one of the bigger things that I kind of hate about when capitalism, we all got to deal with it, but when it gets involved... Once you only understand a small portion of it, then you run it into the ground. Like, and especially, like, I've managed a grow shop for six years, and every couple of months it was another new product with new branding, new labeling, and it was just like, okay, here's MPK, just hit the plants more, hit it harder. And, like, you know, now I barely buy anything that doesn't have some type of biological thing going on. I try to go out and source compost from as many different places so that I have as much indigenous microorganisms in it and just try to keep it going. And like, it's hard to put a price dollar on that because you can just go out and source that in the woods. You can go and do that, you know, wherever you want. And I don't think people really I don't think they understand what to do when they're like, I can't shove this down your throat. I had a small piece of knowledge, and so I shoved it down your throat, and now I don't want to learn more. So people like you who are pushing it and trying to understand more, that's the best part of you know, watching people do what they do. Well, the, they pushed a button. And the money came. <laughs> and they're going to keep pushing that button until the money the stops coming. Yeah. I think that's a side effect of capitalism, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like the rat, only instead of like them pushing the button for cocaine, only instead they get buried in money. And that's the problem. funny thing about capitalism, I think is funny. Like, money had one job, and that was to facilitate the trade, uh, the exchange of goods and services. And now the money is in so few people's hands that the people with actual goods and services that other people need, like, we can't literally afford to trade with each other anymore. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and so yeah. The, money had one job, and it's failing to do that job now yeah yeah well we changed its the worth yeah. and what it was there for we didn't <clears throat> a group of motherfuckers did <laughs> <laughs> <Group> of motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, this is it's it's so fascinating to me because we hearing you guys nerd out on the organic side because We've also talked to a lot of people that have been on hills yeah. and been on the mountains and had good and bad experiences, which everyone has good right. and bad. Mm-hmm. But they talk about the trash. And, mm-hmm. you know, the interesting thing is there's more community talk here than I expected. 
and I'll be honest, like I, I, because, you know, there's that certain stigma about Humboldt too. And then there's certain experiences I've had throughout my thing. So I was like, there's this outlaw shit down there. That's not, there's a bravado here. Mm -hmm. And we've met a lot of more salt of the earth people in the community. I think, and I think the struggle with legalization has brought the community together, which I didn't, which I'm beginning to understand that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. And it's pushing out this other element, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. But the organic side, because there are so many great nutrient companies and soil here, Mm -hmm. like that's got to drive y'all, like that's got to be part of why you're like, you guys can't do it like that. You're fucking up our shit. Yeah. So I think that's an inner, like it seems to be policing itself. Yeah, I mean, there's, and even when it comes to biology, I mean, there's, I, I, I kind of got in trouble at one point. I'm not going to mention who it was, but I, uh, somebody asked me, one of my customers asked me, they're like, hey, Joseph, what do you think of this biological product? And I'm like, I really don't know. I, haven't, I, don't, I have to find out more about it. And I'm like, okay. So I went and looked into it, and all the organisms in it were actually prominent human pathogens. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, crap. I think I know which product this is. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote up a paper on every single, like I did it right, as I collected literally studies that have been done on every single organism, mentioning the positives that had been done in agricultural studies and the negatives. And I put them all together in one, you know, and I got, I got a call from their company and they were not happy with me. And the next time I was at a trade show, I had like two of their boys like coming up and like just mad dogging me and talking shit. They're like, no, blah, 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 you're talking crap about product. I'm like, look, I didn't say shit bad about your product. I literally just collected white powder. Studies that were done by doctors. UC Davis, medical doctors. I didn't say shit. This is literally what these doctors said about these organisms killing these people. And maybe we shouldn't be spraying that onto plants that we're giving to people with compromised immune systems, you know, and, and it's like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and I got so, some money on what company. <laughs> <laughs> so how do, how do you break it? It was a good interview. So good. It was all over the place, but it was like a fun, good interview. So much information back and forth and then different types of realities of life and different types of understanding of the cannabis industry. So it was great. Wouldn't you say it was the complete opposite of the last episode with Ed Laidlaw? (laughs) So much so. I don't think he's ever done yoga or anything else these people are into. That was our, yeah, that is the order. (laughs) I did think of that. That is the order of the interviews, the way we did them. That's probably why, too, coming from Ed's interview, that the first 15 minutes, I'm just sitting there going like, what the hell is happening? (laughs) Because the the one before was like, there's a lot of order, and we're just like, this is the way things are. And you're like, yeah, I like, I feel safe here. Then the next one, you're like, I'm having fun, but... I don't know what's going to happen. 
are you growing? Hey, what are you getting a generator to protect right now? Oh, man. Oh, so we we just literally had them bucking down. So this is kind of the neat thing is we, we talk about this weekly, a little check-in. So you get to see the different stages of it. But right now they're bucking down the strawberry shortcake cookies. So that's after we do the full plant dry and cure. They cut it down to smaller pieces with the nugs on the branch. And then what we do is called bucking it down where we cut the nugs off of the branches and we just have these humongous tubs of just pounds and pounds of this strawberry shortcake cookie just waiting to be trimmed up. And it's fantastic. We're, uh, it's really cool. And then we also have... It sounds so odd. Like, it just sounds just... Uh, my worst day of work, I got pounds and pounds of weed all around me. <laughs> so, <laughs> But we also have the Tropicana Punch that's finishing up and then some Sherb... 9.5, which is also really nice. So we'll get that finished up here soon. And then you can maybe buy a plane ticket for you and Slee and come out and we'll go to the Herbal Connection. We'll go to the next level and we'll buy up a bunch of it. Okay. I mean, why not? I just They got the white okay. label stuff, so we'll, we'll be about it. Yes. Why? I just think someone needs to just hurry up and do the the third level of the the third tier of the Patreon so we can throw a Eugene party. And then Nick, Nick from White Label, he just bought a new house. So maybe we can talk him into having us party out at his house. He's got peach yeah. orchard there. You know, fucking eat fresh peaches and smoke some weed. Okay. Now I just, fuck that tier. I'll just come up. You didn't mention, all you had to say was like fresh peaches. And I'm like, oh, there's just going to be that strawberry weed in those fresh peaches. And you, yeah. Yeah, let's just, let's just, I'm move my family. They should. I'm burn <laughs> LA down. It's doing that on its own right now. Yeah, and I know it is. <laughs> My family's in like my mom and dad drove across the country and they got here and I'm like, Hey, you can't you can't do anything. You gotta stay in the house. And they're like, Cool. Actually actually like, can yeah. you stay in your car, please? <laughs> it's probably safer in your car. Could you probably just go home? This is bad. <laughs> so what you gotta do is you gotta take your parents and have them come up and visit me after this trip and we can all do dabs and hang out. I don't, you don't know my parents. That's not <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> they're cool, but they're not cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I know. They're cool, but they're not cool. <laughs> um, dad's a good, dad's a great hang. He would be down. My mom would worry the whole time. She'd be like, you guys are going to get in trouble. I'm like, this is legal as hell, mom. Like, I just, I'm just worried to death. I'll take I'll take her you. places where she can get into real trouble if she wants. Psilocybin. That's not happened in November. That's, and that's not what my mom wants. That is the opposite. I mean, so psilocybin um, is on the ballot for November, and the craziest thing about legalization of drugs is nobody prepares for the legalization by cultivating it months in advance for legalization. Isn't that crazy? It's weird. Because you can't, I guess. Can you? I mean, you can't. I 
I don't know. You can feel me is winking. Is it dusty there? Uh, winking. Is it dusty? I might. But yeah, psilocybis. That's the next podcast. We'll do grown local mush mushroom tales. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, there's no stand-up comedy, and I don't care if people are like, I'm going to drive-in. No, fuck off. But there's no stand-up comedy right now. So, um, yeah. Let's do on eight thousand podcasts. I'm down. Um, you guys, thanks for listening. You guys are always the best. We, love our, you. we have what twenty four? Twenty four. That's not Jackie bad. Jackie Robinson weeks. number. No. Forty two. Damn it! I inverted God. that. Yeah, it's just I'm in, deeply embarrassed that that happened. Oh man. Uh, it's oh. not like they make a huge deal of it every year. Uh. Yeah. Anyway, so thanks for listening, you guys. Hit us up, grownlocalpod at gmail.com. Follow us at grownlocalpod Instagram and become a patron. Please send us the patron's pretty great. Look at look it up. Ask your friends. And we'll talk to you on it. Love you guys.